Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Target Field in Minnesota. It's the Minnesota Twins 12, your Cleveland Guardians 8. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And man, this was a... Did the Guardians pitching get beat up last night? 12 runs surrendered to the Minnesota Twins who have always been able to put together some offense against us, haven't they? This offense always can roll. And it's always been the pitching, the question in Minnesota the last few years. And, hey, I mean, there were moments in this game where you actually felt like the Guardians could make something happen. There was a point where this game was tied 2-2, don't forget. And, man, did it get away from us in a hurry in that fifth inning. Just, I mean, one of the worst fifth innings in Guardians history, in Cleveland history. I'm... Nine runs given up in that fifth inning on, you know, a couple of hits, a couple of monster home runs. There were monster home runs hit all over this game. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. The Guardians put out three home runs themselves. The Minnesota Twins put out four home runs in this game. That's just a lot of thunder happening at Target Field. I mean, if you went to the game last night in Minnesota, you got one heck of a show because, I mean, both of these offenses... Uh, you're scoring in almost every inning. The only innings, the second and the fourth inning, are the only innings where runs don't come across the board. So, yeah, uh, just a monster offensive day that the uh, Guardians end up on the wrong side of. All right, let's get into the actual storylines. Uh, the storyline leading into the game, the storyline off the field, of course, I'm, I'm sure you've heard by now. Uh, if you notice, we haven't podcasted in a few days because they haven't played in a few days because... COVID wiped out the final game of that White Sox series. So it turns out most of the coaching staff has COVID. And then somehow Josh Naylor. I don't I I was waiting for more players to come down with COVID, but somehow it was just Josh Naylor. Uh so that's a little bit strange. I don't know. Did did Naylor and Francona go out and split a deep dish pizza in Chicago the night before? And, and he's the only one that had contact with the coaching staff? Uh, yeah, the other guys are lucky they didn't get it. Uh, it's kind of the way COVID's going these days. It's It sucks. It absolutely sucks. More than just you getting COVID and missing a few days of work, right? Because obviously, being part of a Major League Baseball team, it's an important part. It's an important thing to the city. It's an important part to the fans. There's a lot of people that are counting on them to be out there playing baseball games. It's our distraction. It's supposed to be our distraction from COVID, and things going on in our world. And so, yeah, it is a little bit added pressure on them to keep themselves safe and keep COVID out of the locker room. And unfortunately, uh, you know, it bites them. It bites them in the heel. And, uh, yeah, Carl Willis has to manage the game. Somehow he survives. He's the only coach that doesn't get it. They bring up a bunch of guys from the minors uh, to fill in at the different bases and stuff like that as pitching coaches and hitting coaches. And, all right, they piece it together. Naylor goes on the IL. Chang comes back. He gets activated. Palacios comes back for Kirk McCartney. And all right, let's go play ball in Minnesota. Well, we got Aaron Savali on the mound. And if there's one thing you could pretty much guarantee about Aaron Savali right now, it's he's going to give up runs in the first inning. Did it against uh, Did it against Toronto? Did it against Oakland? Did it against New York? Runs in the first inning. Uh, so this was a game, this was a game of big moments. This was a game of big at-bats. 
And sometimes the Guardians hitters did come through. And other times they didn't. And uh, for the most part, the Minnesota Twins came through when they needed to. I mean, their big at-bats were in that fifth inning. And they came through when they needed to. Uh, so let's go to some of these individual at-bats here. Uh, just the matchups early. I mean, a leadoff home run for uh, for Aaron, against Aaron Savali from Byron Buxton. Uh, he throws him a lot of pitches in this bat. This goes to a six-pitch at-bat. But when it counts, when it's on the line, it's a 2-2 count still. So he has another pitch to waste if he needs to. But he throws a splitter. Middle in, at the belt, in, and Buxton turns on it. Hits it 108.7 miles per hour, 433 feet. Now, it's not like he has this crazy history against Savali. Frankly, he hasn't had that many at-bats against Savali, but he did homer off him last year, and he gets one middle in that he absolutely destroys. That's just a missed location from Aaron Savali. He was actually keeping the ball down to start and then misses against Savali. Then Polanco comes up two batters later. Now he's missing up. He's missing up and away to the lefty. I don't know. Maybe there's a plan of attack against the lefty. But he ends up in a 3-1 hole. He throws a four-seam fastball against him uh, right on the outside edge to make it a full count. Then tries to throw another one. Tries to hit that outside edge again. This time, middle, out over the plate. And he absolutely destroys it. 105.4 miles per hour, 421 feet out to center field. These balls were no joke. 400-plus home runs from Buxton and Polanco. And it feels like, it feels like they've been destroying us for the last few years. But I went back and looked at their splits. Buxton against the Guardians or against the Cleveland franchise is only hitting 208 for his career. He's only got a 242 on base against us for his career. But he is slugging 416. So his numbers are down compared to what he does against everybody else. Uh, but he is slugging a ton against us. He does have nine home runs against us and 21 RBIs. It's the third most RBIs he has against any team in baseball. Uh, tied for the second most home runs he has against any team in baseball. Now, obviously, a lot of these are your American League Central teams. The Tigers, the White Sox, he has 14 home runs against the White Sox. He's got a 924 OPS against the White Sox. He does a lot of damage against them. Compared to us, where he's only got a 658 OPS, which is mostly boasted by that slugging percentage. So, Buxton will hit a home run off us, but he actually hasn't destroyed us for his career. In fact, that'd be the only hit he'd get. The leadoff home run, now he would walk twice and score two runs, but that leadoff home run would be the only hit he would get on the day against the Guardians. Now, Polanco uh, does hit a little better against us. He's a 265 hitter. Again, it's a 751 OPS against us. It's slightly below. So they have on baseball reference this thing called TOPS. The OPS for split relative to players' total OPS. So it indicates if a number's below 100, it's below his career OPS. If it's above 100... It's above his career OPS. So this is comparing the player against himself. Uh, so he has a slightly, as a 91 TOPS plus against the Cleveland Guardians, which means he's slightly below his average, his career average, when facing us. But he does hit a ton of extra base hits. Now, he has had a lot of at 77 games against us, 322 plate appearances. He's got 18 doubles, four triples, nine home runs against us. 
37 RBIs. So yeah, Polanco has hit us pretty well over his career. So they end up with two early home runs. And then the ninth inning, my God, or the fifth inning, I'm sorry, the nine runs in the fifth inning. Talk about moments here. Single double walk to lead off the inning from the bottom of the order, by the way. The bottom of the order had a big impact for both teams. The bottom of the order gets things started for Minnesota Twins. And by the way, this is the Minnesota Twins without Correa, without the huge high-priced shortstop they paid for. And that would prove to be crucial later in this inning. So Jeffers singles. Lewis, the guy. The Lewis is the young shortstop, the former number one pick, number one overall in the draft. Royce Lewis finally makes it to the major leagues after an ACL injury uh, and kicks off a double here uh, that Buxton would walk. And it would bring up Luis Arise. So a big moment here, and Savali actually handles it. Let's see if we could go to this individual matchup here. Aaron Savali versus Luis Arise. And, uh, you know, it's one of those situations, the base is loaded. Sometimes the best you can do is just get two outs. So he throws him a curveball in the dirt, and Arise isn't messing around. He go, jumps after the first basic fastball he sees. It's a cutter. Frankly, it's middle of the plate. It's a pitch he could have driven, but instead he gets on top of it, drives it into the ground, and Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario are able to turn two up the middle. So you sacrifice a run, but you get two outs. I think with the bases loaded, most teams would make that trade. All right, fine. You got two outs. Can we get out of the inning? Nope. We walk Jorge Polanco. Max Kepler gets an RBI single. So they bring in that runner from third. That's what you're trying to prevent. And then Gary Sanchez comes up. So what does he do? Carl Willis, our pitching coach, decides I'm going to the bullpen. Go into the bullpen, and I'm going to bring in Brian Shaw to face Gary Sanchez. And how does that work out? Shaw attacks him with cutters, misses with one inside, throws one at the thighs for a strike, misses outside, comes right back at the thighs, shows him nothing but cutters, and Sanchez turns on it, hits one out to center field, 113.1 miles per hour. You think he was ready for that cutter? You think he was ready for that 91, 92 mile per hour cutter after seeing it four times in the exact same location a pitch before? Uh, he absolutely, another 400 foot blast. And then Shaw would go ahead and load the bases up again for the rookie Royce Lewis. He would miss with a cutter down and then throw him a cutter again at the oof, at the belly button in, and he would turn on it 105.1. Come on, Lewis, you couldn't hit this thing 400 feet. It's a 395-foot grand slam, the first home run of his career. And, uh, yeah, I mean, at that point, what is Shaw doing in the game still, frankly, at that point? I mean, he's absolutely getting destroyed. You think at that point, may, all right, maybe he's just trying to eat the inning so that we can get out of it and get to somebody else? But, I mean, he gives up the home run to Sanchez. He gives up a single to Urshela, a single to Nick Gordon. He walks Ryan Jeffers. What's he doing in still at that point? I mean, frankly, I mean, the guy gets destroyed. I, I understand why they went to Brian Shaw. If you look at his game log, he actually was pitching pretty good for the month of May. He'd given up one hit in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is was his seventh appearance. So in six appearances... So far for the month of May, he'd only given up one hit, no runs. His his season ERA was down to 1.69. So I get it. Shaw had been doing good in this role, this coming in whenever in the game kind of role. 
but he absolutely gets destroyed here. And you got to see the writing on the wall. You got to maybe get that guy out of there before he gets absolutely lit up for one, two, three, four hits, five batters in a row reach base off him. So big moments there for them. The Guardians had a chance at some big moments and couldn't really come through. I mean, Straw starts the game with a walk, steals second. Nobody can get him in. Ramirez would take a strikeout at the top of the zone. Frankly, Gray got a few calls at the top of the zone. Owen Miller would ground out. Um, In the third inning, they are able to uh, get it done, but barely. I mean, they load the bases on a single walk, walk, bottom of the order, getting it done. Miles Straw actually getting on base. His average has plummeted for the month of May, but he's still getting on base with three walks in this game. So they load the bases. Stephen Kwan eats a strikeout again at the top of the zone. I didn't feel like either of these were should have been strike three. The one to Ramirez and the one to Kwan, both really brutal calls. Maybe they're in the strike zone. Maybe they're in the shadow of the strike zone. The catcher even has to move his glove. Like, the catcher couldn't even frame the pitch. The pitch completely mislocation to Kwan. He reaches up and gets it, the catcher, and still gets the call. Um, you know, Sometimes if you're set up there, you can get the call. But to have to move the glove that much and still get the call, rough stuff for Kwan. And then Ramirez almost hits into a double play himself with the bases loaded. Luckily, he, I mean, he hit it hard enough. 100.7 mile per hour exit velocity. But something about the chop on the ball second baseman has to wait back on it, and Ramirez is able to leg it out. No, th- I don't even think they threw to first. Uh, it was that obvious that Ramirez was going to be safe. But Owen Miller would strike out that one. Gray hit a spot. He paints the outside edge uh, with a little two-seamer action and gets Owen Miller to strike out looking. That one was on Owen Miller. That He absolutely nailed the spot. So they go down in the third inning. It could have been so much more. They do scratch across one on the fielder's choice. It could have been so much more. Load the bases to start the inning. And they were walks that loaded the bases. you got to make a guy pay for walks. Uh, so Ahmed Rosario would single the lead off the fourth, but they can't bring him around to score. Uh, the home run in the fifth inning from Austin Hedges would tie the game. They would have a more another chance. Quan would walk. Jose Ramirez would single. And then Owen Miller would hit into a double play and that threat. So the Guardians could have blown it up in the top of the fifth inning. Instead, Owen Miller grounds into a double play to end the threat. I think the Owen Miller batting cleanup experiment is is going to expire very soon. When Josh Naylor comes back from COVID, not that I don't want Owen Miller in the lineup, but you got to take the pressure off him in the four hole. It's not working. Naylor should be hitting fourth. He wants the smoke, remember? That's what he shouted in the dugout. I want smoke. So put him in the four hole, put for uh, for Mio Reyes behind him five, and then hit Owen Miller uh, sixth or seventh. Right? You can move Andres Jimenez up to sixth and Owen Miller seventh, and you still get the lefty righty lefty righty thing that you love so much, Terry Francona. So again, big moments here. Um, we do score in the sixth inning. We get the two run homer from Oscar Mercado in the sixth inning. We get another uh, man. We absolutely waste another chance to score in the seventh. Miles Straw would walk again to kick off an inning. Quan would ground out, but Straw would move up to second. Ramirez would single, 101.1 mile per hour exit velocity. It would bring in Straw to score. Okay, something going again. Ahmed Rosario, Owen Miller would line out. Ahmed Rosario would triple into the corner. Brings in Jose Ramirez to score. A huge hit for Mio Reyes walks. Andres Jimenez walks. And then Oscar Mercado strikes out bad. 
strikes out really bad against the side armor Joe Smith, the former Cleveland baseball player Joe Smith. Uh, just throws him his version of hard stuff, his version of a sinker. I don't know if Mercado thought he was going to get a slider at some point in this at-bat, but he ends up swinging at a pitch that's in his own batter's box. I mean, that almost hit him. He swings at a pitch to strike out with the bases loaded. So I would love to give Mercado you know, MVP on the day. He does have a two-run home run in this one, but this strikeout here with the bases loaded, it's like for every good thing a Guardians hitter did, they also did something terrible. In this game, uh, Andres Jimenez would then home run in the uh, in the ninth inning. Ahmed Rosario reaching a fielding error. Andres Jimenez would actually smoke a home run, 105.7 miles per hour, 393 to right field. But Mercado would strike out to end the game. So it's not like the Guardians' offense was quiet. Eight runs on nine hits, a bunch of home runs, a bunch of extra base hits. It's just, I mean, you gotta, you gotta shut down that fifth inning. You can't let that fifth inning get that out of control. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about the starting pitching because Savali really has absolutely struggled in the first inning. Um, his fastball was up, his curveball was down, but still, I mean, just gets hammered way too many times. Um, taking a look at where some of those hits were. Um, for Aaron Savali, those home runs, like I said, they're middle of the plate. The height of the pitch is middle of the strike zone, just above middle of the strike zone. For the righty, Buxton, it's a little bit in. For Polanco, the Polanco, the lefty, it's a little bit out over the plate. So he gets hammered there. Uh, the double that he gives up, uh, he gives up a couple doubles, a couple of three singles. And it's all middle of the plate stuff. It's all leaving the ball in the middle of the plate. Uh, and he absolutely gets hammered because of it. Uh, I just nothing, nothing was really working. Even the curveball, he got some strikeouts on the curveball. So once again, the curveball was working for him. Uh, he got a few called strikes on that four seam fastball, but he threw that cutter thirty two times, and it just wasn't working. Eighteen swings on the cutter, only three whiffs, only four called strikes. So it's not like he was even painting the edges with that cutter. It's only a twenty two percent CSW. Now the pitch the guy throws most in the game. That's the one you kind of need to see the best CSW number on. And it just wasn't there for Aaron Savali. Meanwhile, on the other side, Sonny Gray uh, was getting the strikeouts. He was hitting with some of his hard stuff. His forcing fastball was very good. A 36% CSW on that. Four whiffs, four called strikes on that pitch. Uh, his sinker, he wasn't getting a lot of whiff, but they only put four in play. Uh, they fouled off seven. 13 swings, two whiffs. Seven foul balls, only four put in place. So even though he wasn't getting the whiff on it, it's not like they were doing a lot of damage against that sinker. That's the pitch that he threw the most. And he racks up, I mean, Sonny Gray for a really weird outing because it looks like he's going to be pretty dominant at the start of this thing, but he only lasts four and a third, only lasts 82 pitches. He gets eight strikeouts, but he gives up four walks and four hits, and the Guardians tie the game 2-2 off of him. Now, those eight strikeouts were pretty brutal, though. Um, as Savali was getting the strikeouts with his curveball. Um, let me go here to the strikeouts on the Illustrator. Four of his five strikeouts were on curveballs below the zone. He did get one strikeout on a cutter, a called strike that he freezes Nick Gordon with. Uh, for Sonny Gray, it's a little bit all over the place. Five strikeouts come on that sinker, two-seamer. 
fastball. Some, the one he paints on the outside corner to Owen Miller locks him up there. He locks Miles Straub on the outside corner. And then he goes top of the zone against Quan and Ramirez and also goes up there against Ahmed Rosario and gets him to swing. It's Andres Jimenez to swing at a curveball at the top of the zone. You don't see that very often. Blows a four-seam fastball by Andres Jimenez as well. And then gets Oscar Mercado to chase a slider away. So it was a little bit of everything for Sonny Gray to rack up all those strikeouts. It was a weird game where, uh, you know, you thought he was going to be okay. And then it just kind of fell apart for him in that fifth inning as well. Uh, so both pitchers can't make it out of the fifth. Uh, and frankly, both both relievers that come into the game, Griffin Jacks comes in after Sonny Gray. He gives up four runs in two and a third inning. Now, Sean gives up five runs in no innings. He doesn't even record an out. Eli Morgan has to come in and get out of that inning. Um, so, yeah, it was a rough day for pitching across the board, split between both teams. And it's just that the Twins offense had a little bit more than the Guardians did. All right. That is all my thoughts on this one. It, we just got beat up. We got beat up by Byron Buxton, a star, you know, a perennial. A guy who is going to be a perennial all-star if he can stay healthy. Polanco, a guy that hits us pretty well. Gary Sanchez, we got to see a little bit of the trade between Minnesota. We kind of got to see the revamped Minnesota Twins a little bit here. We got to see Sanchez. We got to see Urshela, who came over from New York, former Cleveland player. Uh, we didn't get to see Carlos Correa in this lineup, but we do get to see the number one draft pick overall, Royce Lewis. And he comes up and has a huge day against us. Four RBIs against us on the Grand Slam. Uh, two hits for him, two extra base hits for him on the day against the Guardians. So, uh, yeah, he hit the ball hard three times yesterday, the most of any Minnesota twin in the lineup. So you understand why they gave Correa the contract they did with this kid waiting in the wings, Royce Lewis. This is definitely going to be the shortstop of the future. I mean, this really, this one is obvious. The Guardians have a lot of decisions to make when it comes to shortstop, right? Does Andres Jimenez slide over there and continue to hit the way he's been hitting? By the way, 329 batting average and 913 OPS. I don't care what you say. By the middle of May, if you got those numbers, you're legit. You're a legit hitter. Um, but yeah, we, is, is Andres Jimenez going to slide over? Is Gabriel Arias going to come up and take that spot? Tyler Freeman? There's a lot of choices at shortstop, right? Not in Minnesota. It looks like this Royce Lewis kid is legit, and he, he is going to be the shortstop of the future there. Correa could move on as early as this offseason. I believe he's got like opt-out clauses in every year of the contract. So uh, Correa could move on, look for more money, and Lewis could be the shortstop that we face for the next six, seven years. All right, so MVP on the day. I mean, I would love to give it to one of these guys that hit a home run. I mean... Hey, Austin Hedges even has you know a home run on the day. But everybody who did something good on offense also did something terrible on offense. So I just can't give it to anyone on offense. I, I got to give it to Eli Morgan. I For what? For getting out of that fifth inning? For, for ending the bleeding and getting through another clean inning? Um, doesn't even get through a clean, but doesn't give up any more runs. So to shut down the scoring, at least, Eli Morgan, you're taking home MVP for the day. And then when I'm giving it to a middle reliever, it's usually not a good sign. All right, so let's bounce back. Let's see what we can do tomorrow against Minnesota. Uh, we got Bieber on the mound against Smeltzer. Smeltzer making, this is his season debut. Is this his major league debut? No, he has pitched in 19 games in his career. Oh, it, oh, he has, no, yeah, he has not pitched. Sorry, it's he's pitched one game in the 2021 regular season. He has not pitched in a game 
so far this season. He has made a few spot starts along the way, a spot appearances for Minnesota over the last three seasons, but this will be his first appearance of 2022. And he's going up against the ace Bieber, who definitely needs a bounce back game after his last outing. So we'll see what happens there. Hopefully no more positive COVID tests. Hopefully it stops here. It really hurts not having Naylor. Um, what is Smelter? Is he, a, he is a lefty, so expect to see a bunch of righties pop into that lineup. I'm guessing Chang will probably be find his way back into the lineup tonight. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what acting manager Carl Willis decides to do, I'm sure, on the phone. I, I wonder, can Terry Francona call in when you're out on COVID? Um, it's not like a suspension or anything, so I have to imagine they can all Zoom in the morning and make a couple of decisions. So we'll see what lineup runs out there to support Bieber in this one. Man, uh, you know, with Chicago losing, we were at 500. We really had a chance to, we have a chance to make a mark in the division standings in this series still. We can still take two games and make a mark in the division standings. So we'll see what they do. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. We'll be back tomorrow to see how Bieber does. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. It's just that easy. Email in at Cleveland Baseball Mornings. Let me know what you think of the Cleveland Guardians. Come on, I am open to your opinions. We'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show, just like a radio call-in show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.